everyone. Welcome back to a new episode of 2020 Psych. I'm one of your hosts, Claire Kay. And I'm joined today by none other than my father. Thank you guys so much for tuning in. Please go ahead and give us a follow on our Instagram account at 2020 Psych Podcast. Follow us for more updates on our new episodes, as well as to be able to ask us questions and give your thoughts and get more insight and just talk to us. So go ahead and give us a follow. And without further ado, I'm going to let my dad introduce himself. Hello, my name is Dr. Hernandez. I'm a psychiatrist. And today we are going to talk about sleep health and healthy habits to the importance of sleep, healthy sleep habits. But then we're also going to be talking about insomnia and um, just exactly what that is. So why don't we go ahead? I'm going to start this off, Dad, by asking you... What are some general healthy sleep pre- healthy sleep habits that everyone can practice? Well, what you're referring to are really what they are called sleep hygiene rules. And there's a few tidbits for everybody who's having difficulties falling asleep, staying asleep, or waking up too early. Number one is that you want to have a comfortable sleep environment. It has to be uh, comfortable in the sense that the temperature has to be right it can't be too cold it can't be too warm it needs to be quiet there has to be very dim light if any and it has to be just conducive for a good not a good restful night's sleep that's first and foremost the other thing is that a lot of the issues revolving sleep involve not so much when you fall asleep as much as it involves when you wake up in the morning. If you keep a consistent time when you wake up in the morning, it should help you regulate your sleep cycle. So let's say for instance, you get up at six in the morning every day and the night prior you have, you're having a difficult time sleeping, you fall asleep at two in the morning, you should still get up at six. The hope is that you'll be tired throughout the rest of the day and come nightfall, you'll be able to fall asleep naturally without uh, the use of a sleeping aid. So that sort of self-regulates your, your, your circadian rhythm. So that's, those are some of the, the tips on how to control your sleep pattern. And again, it all starts with being in a comfortable resting environment kind of talk about how maybe some people's circadian rhythms right now have kind of fallen out of whack because of people a lot of people obviously are staying at home work schedules are very different from working at home and doing school from home um i know personally my circadian rhythm has kind of gone through a journey throughout the last few months being home um first i had school so i had to wake up regularly at a consistent time um, because of, because, you know, I had to go to class and then I would, then I fluctuated from sleeping in extremely late, going to bed extremely late. And now I've kind of regulated it to a pretty healthy sleeping habit, I would say right now. Um, do you have any tips for regulating the circadian rhythm? If you've kind of been all over the place, especially the last few months? Well, it's a, as I mentioned, it's important to try to maintain some sort of consistency because 
if you're up late at night socializing with your friends and you fall asleep at four in the morning and you get up at noon that's not insomnia that's just you shifting over your sleep pattern so if it becomes a problem where you have to get up at a certain time every day and you're having a hard time sleeping at night that's when you need to sort of work on healthy sleep habits so we have to make that distinction that if you're having a hard time if you're it's not because you're having a hard time falling asleep it's because you're just having a you're a stimulating conversation with your friends or you're up and i watching uh, movies or on social media uh, that's quite different than someone who has who's having difficulties falling asleep I like what you mentioned earlier about setting your sleep environment, your sleep habits. I know for me, something that's helped me fall asleep at night is I have a salt lamp, which is actually um, promotes like de-stress and helps with better sleep. And also just the warm light is very comforting. So that's something that's helped me. One thing that I need to get better at, which I'm sure you can advocate for in terms of like this is very important for sleep is not being on my phone until I go to bed um I I know that the blue light is pretty distracting and it strains your eyes also so that's another thing to keep in mind well it's interesting that you talk about uh, the blue light uh, it's felt that the blue light uh, that comes from the screen stops the production of melatonin which is uh, a hormone in that self-produced that helps regulate sleep so that's why it's not a good idea to be up late on your computer or on your phone because that'll interfere with that process so that's something that you want to take into consideration if you're having a hard time sleeping other good things that to do or uh, if you're having a hard time sleeping is you lie in bed for 15 20 minutes and if you can't fall asleep, it's a good idea to get out of your bed, go to another room if possible, and maybe start reading a book that is sort of boring. You don't want to read something that's like a, a thrill-seeking novel or things of that sort because that'll stimulate you. You want to read something that's, like I say, dull, something that is going to not exactly excite you to continue reading, but it'll hopefully put you to sleep. And so when you start yawning again, then that's when you go back to to your bedroom, to your bed, and, and try to give it another go at falling asleep. Is there any danger in ignoring when you're sleepy? For instance, um, I know in school when like staying up late for studying, if you fell asleep, or not, I shouldn't say fell asleep, if you got tired, um, you just, you know, ignore it because you had to study. But if that maybe that's not the case, if you're just in bed, about to get into bed, and you're sleepy, you can vis you can physically feel it, but you decide to ignore it because, oh, you're watching Netflix or you're on FaceTime. Is there any danger in ignoring your natural body signals to go to sleep? Well, you do want to pay attention to what your body's telling you. If your body is telling you that you're tired, that you're nodding off, you're falling asleep, it's a good idea to just go with it and, and get a good night's sleep. Uh, so if uh, you push yourself a little harder to stay up because you do want to finish watching your, that exciting movie or whatever, then it, that may have some consequences. It's, you're, gonna, you're depriving yourself of the sleep that, you, that your body's asking you for. Are there any apps? I know we've spoken about apps in the past 
for anxiety and stuff. Do you know of any apps for sleep? I sure do. Uh, there, this is this is a, an app that's developed by the Veterans Administration. It's excellent. It's uh, called CBTI Coach, and it's free, and it's very comprehensive, very thorough, very person personalized in the sense that it, you you take a questionnaire, you assess your your sleep patterns, and they will help you develop the proper sleeping habits. It'll give you a lot of tools that you can use to uh, have a good night's sleep. And it's just overall excellent. I've been trying it, uh, just going through it over this past week, and it's really, really a helpful uh, app. So we've kind of focused on sleeping habits for people who don't have any diagnosed medical conditions and don't have aren't diagnosed with insomnia. Now I want to switch over to those that do suffer from insomnia. Uh, first of all, what is insomnia? How do you get diagnosed with it? Well, the CDC reports that there's about 10 to 14 percent of adults that suffer from insomnia, which is a condition that keeps you from getting restorative sleep, enough hours of sleep that most people have fall, problems falling asleep or staying asleep or getting up too early. Some folks have all those, uh, but usually the most common one is falling asleep. So there's, again, different methods on how to uh, treat this condition. Uh, oftentimes people find themselves worrying at night, and it's felt that they didn't take time during the day to think about the issues that are of concern to them. So at night when all other stimuli are sort of shut off, people will start thinking about things that they probably should have been thinking about during the day. And in that CBTI app that I mentioned earlier, they actually recommend that you schedule in a daily worrying time, which I thought was sort of innovative. I thought that was interesting that you you specifically set maybe 30 minutes a day and you think about those things that are of concern for you and you think them through, you give them some thought, you deliberate and you try to problem solve during those 30 minutes so that later on in the evening when you decide to fall asleep, you've already gotten that sort of stuff out of the way. So again, that, those are other good tips on, on, on how to go about uh, alleviating, alleviating your anxiety so that that'll, you won't, that won't be a barrier for you getting a good night's sleep. I want to add on to that. I know in the past I've heard that journaling before bed really helps to unwind the mind and event, eventually helps you become sleepy. One of my professors actually at USC, he recommended, it was actually required in our course book or in our syllabus to buy this thing called the five minute journal. And it's an, literally what it says every day for five minutes. You start it in the morning. I think it's you write down uh, three things you're grateful for, uh, two things that would make the day great. And then I think there's a third prompt, but you do that in the morning and then you come back at the end of the day and you reflect on the second half of the page. There's two questions. Um, what were three things that made me happy today? And what's what are two things that I can do better for tomorrow? And I think that 
first of all, it was so awesome that my professor was advocating for this because that was something that I had I haven't previously come across with my in an academic setting. Um, so I found as much as I wish I did it now, but before when I was doing it consistently, especially in school, I felt that that helped me so much, especially at night, because it helped me put into perspective my day, and also it helped me be honest with what uh, with that worrying time of like, okay, I could have done this today, I should have done this, but you know what? There's tomorrow that I that I can focus this on. Well, that sounds like a nice way to structure things, especially now during the pandemic, where there seems to be an increase in in complaints of uh, sleepless nights, given the numerous stressors that are surrounding many folks, including financial issues, babysitting issues, work issues, and the list goes on and on. So it's good to be able to set a time aside to sort of try to figure those things out before you go to bed and, and try to figure them out while you're right before you go to sleep. So circling back to insomnia and the diagnosis, is insomnia something that once you're diagnosed, you have it for life? Or is it caused because of maybe a life stressor at that point in your life? Is Or what's the diagnosis usually look like? Well, the prognosis for many people is good, uh, but it, it needs to be dealt with. It needs to be addressed. Most sleep disorders can be dealt with non-pharmacologically without using sleep labs and things of that sort. If you follow uh, sleep hygiene rules, I think most of the sleep ex experts would agree that that's, that that's the way to go. Uh, but people do not get the treatment for this and, or, and many patients want instant relief, uh, i.e. Uh, a pill. And unfortunately, the treatment for insomnia is not a pharmacological one. The mainstay of treatment is non-pharmacologic. And the main reason for that is that all sleeping aids, all sleeping pills, there's a tolerance that develops, and most of them are only good for two weeks, and some maybe a month. There's one that has a claim that it's good for six months, but that's a little questionable. But if you're suffering for this, some many people will suffer for this for years. So definitely, taking pills is not the solution. So you have to look in different ways of of how uh, of how you treat the, the this condition. For people that struggle with sleep, is it in their best interest to avoid things such as nicotine, caffeine, and alcohol when they're having trouble falling asleep at night? Well, caffeine intake, for instance, it's it's felt that a person can have three cups of coffee before noon. For some, working out, getting physical exercise at nighttime can be stimulating. So if when you work out or, or, get, or get physical exercise, then you should do it in as early as you can. You don't really want to always do it before you go to bed. So physical exercise is strongly recommended because it'll tire you out. And, and hopefully that'll be a, sort of a prompt to, to help you go to sleep. It'll, it, it's something that's uh, clearly good for most people. But again, the time when you do it is important as well. For people with mm, depression, anxiety, is insomnia a symptom of that? It absolutely is. 
So for clinicians that have patients that come to them complaining of insomnia, depression and anxiety are conditions that they need to assess first because they're very common. Uh, insomnia is one of the uh, nine symptoms of uh, depression. So you want to inquire uh, if uh, someone's depressed and uh, also having poor appetite, uh, poor concentration, like in interesting things, feelings of guilt, worthlessness, suicidality. So it's important to rule out uh, a depression, which is very common. I want to talk about now good sleep versus bad sleep. Um, maybe you've heard the phrase of, you know, like, or maybe not the phrase, but there's instances of people saying that, oh, I got eight hours of sleep last night, but I still feel exhausted. What is the link between that? Why is it that you can maybe get five, six hours of sleep in a night, but still feel exhausted when you wake up in the morning? Well, to me, that kind of sounds like there may be an underlying anxiety issue, because as, we, as we've spoken about it in, in our other uh, episodes, well, somebody falls asleep, that doesn't mean that their anxiety falls asleep. People can still be anxious while they're sleeping and consequently will not get a restful night's sleep. They'll, they'll, they'll be tossing and turning, they'll, they'll feel restless, and it won't be that recuperative, restorative sleep that you're supposed to get. I've had an instance um, a handful of times in college after being on set for 12 plus hours in a day I've had experiences where I'll come home or back you know back to my bed and I'll be so exhausted that I can't sleep is that also common for people well you're right I think that's a phenomenon that a lot of people have had at some point in their lives where they they feel so exhausted that they can't even fall asleep so I think that's because you were so stimulated during the day that it takes sort of a while for you to sort of unwind. And um, so I think that's that's a part of it, too. So if you're experiencing anxiety while you're sleeping, what are we just mentioned about like, oh, you don't feel as rested the next day. There's other things like teeth grinding, for instance, um, in your sleep. It, how common is that for individuals? Is that even linked to insomnia or is that just like you have a lot of anxiety? I think that's a typical sign of anxiety when people do teeth grinding while they're sleeping. And again, it's why it's important to set aside a time for you to, over uh, that worrying time that that app from that was produced by the VA that they advocate that you dedicate a certain time during the day for you to try to work out those issues that uh, have been bothersome to you because everybody has a certain issue that's on their mind and it'll manifest itself by teeth grinding at night if uh, you haven't taken a look at it or try to deal with it and resolve it uh, before you go to bed. What are your what are your thoughts on napping throughout the day? If we're whether it's you got a restful night and you're going to take a nap at 3 p.m. or whatever, or you didn't get any sleep last night, it was crappy night sleep, and you're so exhausted by 3 p.m. you just want a nap. What do you suggest? 
I think that one nap a day should be the limit for anybody and that nap should not exceed more than 90 minutes because if you're really exhausted and you're having a non-productive day because you're so fatigued it'll be somewhat restorative for you to take that one nap but again if you exceed that then you may be robbing sleep hours from the evening where again when you that's where you really want to regulate you get the bulk of your sleep and regulate your circadian rhythm what are the dangers for people that don't suffer from any mental illness what are the dangers for those people that don't take don't practice good sleep hygiene that don't get adequate amounts of sleep what are the long-term dangers that can result of that well i think that some of the before we get into the long term some of the short term issues can be that if you're falling asleep on the road or falling asleep while you're doing things that require your attention if you're working with delicate machinery and so forth so there's certain tasks of course that you need to be fully awake and alert so when you diminish that you endanger yourself so those are the short term the long term effects would include things like um, maybe some cognitive decline or some depression more anxiety uh, other uh, effects of that sort that will impair your ability to function because you're you're just so chronically tired that it'll keep you from staying alert and and with it to accomplish the task that you need to and for people that do suffer from a mental illness or have a diagnosed mental illness I should say um, does lack of sleep heighten um, side effects of maybe pharmaceutical drugs that people are taking for their um, mental illness or what is what does that do for the long-term lack of sleep for people with mental illness well that's a I think a good question and it's an important one because if you suffer from bipolar disorder one bad night's sleep can put you in a fulminant manic episode so sleep is important for everyone particularly if you suffer from a mental illness such as bipolar disorder so it's something that you have to maintain these good sleep hygiene rules and you really have to guard your sleep uh, so uh, for mental illness again it can be even worse than for patients that don't have mental illnesses but if you suffer from a mental disorder uh, insomnia is just a really bad thing to have what are your thoughts on over-the-counter melatonin for people to take I think that that's worth a try I think that that's okay because it's a natural substance. Other experts recommend something like valerian as well, which is a natural substance as well. So I think those kind of natural remedies can be okay, unlike things like Benadryl, which because of their antihistaminic effects are sedating, but can have other side effects that wouldn't be recommended. To kind of reach the tail end of our discussion on healthy sleep habits what is some what are some things that people need to keep in mind right now working from home doing school from home what are some healthy habits that they can do to ensure that they are getting a good quality night's sleep despite not having conventional i leave for work i come home i leave for school i come home 
everything's kind of happening at home. What are some things that people can do to ensure healthy sleep? So a, a lot of folks are doing what's called pajama work. And sleep experts will tell you that your bed for, should be for only two reasons. You should only use your bed for sex and for sleep. A lot of people are using their bed to take classes, to work from, to uh, do so many other things uh, because they're sort, of, they're sort of in a lounge mode. But the problem with staying in bed at awake is that your body sort of gets used to being in bed awake. So when you it comes time to shutting off the lights and trying to go to bed, well, all of a sudden you don't have that stimulus that you used to have because your body's used to being in bed awake. So again, you have to be cautious not to be using your bed to as as a as a workstation. No, you have to use um, your bed for what it was intended for, and and so those are things that are easy to fall into during the pandemic. So please be mindful of that and. I hope uh, this helps with uh, some tips on how to get a better night's sleep. And again, I, I can't overemphasize that app from the VA. It's free. Uh, it's the CBTI uh, coach. Uh. That's going to go ahead and wrap up this week's episode on sleep. I hope you guys have found some helpful tools and advice on how to better improve your night's sleep. Thank you guys so much for listening. Tune in next week for another episode, and I hope you guys have a great day wherever you are.